Check away, and now the counter. Here come the Caps. Two steps off. Gets loose. Get Getty coming down the middle. A shot, and it comes in over. He scores! He scores! And Getty Kuznetsov wins it for Washington! It's off to the third round! The Demons have been exercised! Good morning! Good afternoon! And good night, Pittsburgh! We're going to Tampa Bay! The Capitals have done it! Welcome to the show. Thank you, John Walton, Caps play-by-play man, for our wonderful intro today. And uh, the sound you hear is all the Penguins fans stopping listening to this podcast, which is okay by me. We have a podcast full of Caps pens, and then we go on to uh, hit the Eastern Conference Finals and Western Conference Finals, and of course the gritty finish, all done by yours truly, Ryan Rutherford, and our special guest, Adam Coolball. So stick around and enjoy. Ryan here, and we are joined by a special guest, Adam Coolball, in the building at Coolball Sports on Twitter. Adam, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, probably not as good as you are after the huge Cavs victory. And uh, I, I think uh, I think I should publicly address here that I've been ragging on you for the past few years about uh, Capitals not being a playoff team. So, you know, if you want to kick this interview off by uh, by by uh, throwing it back in my face, I, I completely uh, completely give you props for that. So. Well, I uh, I got a little bit out of my system with that on Twitter as soon as. Uh, <laughs> The Caps won whatever game it was that uh, Ovechkin had, a like, the game-winning goal. And oh, yeah. you tweeted something <laughs> about him doing well. And you are always the man to bring up Alex Ovechkin's fucking plus or minus being, like, whatever low number it is. And so I just wasn't letting you soak in his uh, his glory at all. And I, I quickly tried to bring you back down to earth and ask you about his plus or minus. So yeah, no, no, I got I got a little bit of my system. Yeah, yeah. Both ways. I don't get the rag on someone and then be happy for them when uh, when they do well. So that that was good on you. It was a nice nice heat check there. <laughs> yeah. So if in case any of our uh, listeners are wondering why it sounds a little different this time, we are using uh, Google Voice. Uh, our new sponsor just got off the phone with Bill Gates before we got on this call here and locked that deal up. Ten years, $500 million. They call it the, the future Bryce Harper deal. So we are locked up with Google Voice for all future interviews. Um, so, Adam, uh, you have a little bit of uh, experience in the vocal sports industry. What have you done uh, in the previous – in your previous time? Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I don't know if I would call it as experience um, as much as I'd call it just dumb luck because uh, uh, <laughs> Ryan and I were together in the Hart School uh, Sports and Recreation Management Program at JMU, go Dukes. And uh, cool, during, uh, during my time there, we had a complete internship, so I decided to do my internship with uh, the voice of JMU, Kurt Dudley. Um, you know, I was interested in statistics and the behind the scenes of uh, broadcasting and all that. Uh, so I, I – spent a few months uh, gathering information for him, putting together reports, and uh, it, then uh, a couple vacancies opened in the broadcasting field, so I decided to take a crack at it and uh, see how my voice sounds on air. Um, sounds pretty terrible, but 
I enjoyed the experience. <laughs> I got to uh, got to call a couple of uh, men's and women's basketball games for JMU during my internship, and then at the end of the internship, um, I was asked if I could stay on and uh, be the voice of the JMU football team uh, for the upcoming season. The national uh, you know, champion. I said, sure, but little did I know JMU was going to come out and, uh, and go undefeated and. FCS and win the national title. So I, I probably would have said no if I realized how much uh, how much spotlight was being put on that season. But have a little bit of experience on football games, uh, soccer, basketball. Um, so uh, now I'm taking a shot at podcasting here. So very very honored to be on the show. Yeah, podcasting debut for Adam. So we're glad to have him here. Um, Adam's forte, I would say, is what would you say? It's more hockey or soccer? What's your number one? Um, you know, as far as knowledge and experience goes, um, I would have to say soccer. That was the sport that I grew up playing. Um, but what I spend most of my free time doing is watching hockey. So, um, I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I definitely won't claim that I'm any expert in, um, you know, skating or hockey or, um, you know, so I, I have to kind of check myself a little bit. But that is uh, definitely my number one professional sport that I find myself watching. So I, I'll claim that I'm a hockey guy, but my expertise lies in soccer. Nice. All right. So uh, since we are in the midst of hockey season and um, Josh is usually our number one hockey expert and analyst, but uh, since the Pens won, he is too scared to show his face on this podcast. And I think he's waiting for like my passion over that victory to die down, but little does he know it will never die down. Um so Josh ran away to Pittsburgh to lick his wounds in there in his safe space, and uh, so he's not here. So Adam will be giving us all of his knowledge, which is way better than Josh's, and I hate Josh <laughs> forever. So first question I want to know, and I think like every DC fan wants to know, and is, was my first question after we did it was just how is this the team? that was able to break through. Like, uh, I have always said that, like, two years ago, that Caps team that made all the moves the, the first year after getting Oshie and stuff, I always said that was the year that was, like, championship or bust. And then after that, I was kind of like, well, if they couldn't do it, who can? But I, so why was this the team that could break through? Yeah, uh, well, you, I mean, you make a you make an excellent point um, towards the little Caps enigma here. Um, is that on paper the team to do it was two years ago? Um, yeah. I thought when the Capitals made the move for Shattenkirk, I, you know, I that that's when I was most nervous that this Caps team was going to shut mm-hmm. my mouth uh, regarding their play. Um, so it's a little interesting because personnel wise, I, I think they're substantially weaker. And I thought I thought that um, eventually some of these huge contracts they were giving out was going to come back to come back to bite them. So this, um, so as far as personnel goes, I was a little concerned for the Capitals coming into this year. Um, but I, th- I think that's what also speaks towards the Capitals' success this year. Um, so, you know, they had to rely a little bit, a little bit more on deeper lines, especially with the Wilson suspension um, and, and Backstrom's injury coming at an inopportune time. Um, you know, there's a lot of youth in the locker room. And uh, I, you know, I think that the guys have seen what Ovechkin has given to the league uh, guys like Faction too, who are a little more soft-spoken. Uh, you know, these guys that have been through a decade of, of, of disappointment and the entire city being on their shoulders, I, I think it's just at some point the roster is going to come together 
and and put a fighting spirit out on the ice um you know to gift these guys that have worked worked their hard uh worked their hearts out uh for the same city over the past decade so um you know on paper it doesn't really make that much sense to me but i i think it was a ticking time bomb you knew it was going to happen you knew the capitals were going to break the bubble sooner or later and it had to happen in the Ovechkin era so i i yeah. think that I think that it was the right time, um, but on paper, it, it was a little head-scratching for me still. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's very interesting. I, I think one of the things you touched on about, like, the uh, everybody was contributing, uh, and I have a set written down here that the Capitals started 15 different forwards in the Penguin series, and 12 of those 15 had a point. And that includes guys like Verana, who was making his first playoff appearance in his career. Uh, after Wilson came out, uh, or uh, not Verona, uh, Stevenson, I'm sorry, made, making his first playoff appearance, and Walker also making his first playoff appearance and becoming the first Australian to play in the NHL playoffs and score a uh, record a point on his really nice assist uh, to uh, start off, to break open game six. Um, yeah, so I thought it was a lot of just – the contributions from everyone, and of course, Ovechkin has to do his thing, and he led the Capitals in the series uh, with his play. And, um, and then I think too, there was the new blood with like Stevenson and Verana and Walker and Smith Pelly and guys like that, uh, Chieson, who uh, ha- hadn't been with the Capitals for all of the disappointment. And they, like they felt like the the bad juju, they were like that doesn't really affect me. That's these these old guys, old gray haired Ovechkin. That's on the monkey's on his back. It's not on mine. So uh, I think they were able to look past that. And then also uh, one thing I would uh, wanted to ask you about too, uh, and a lot of people were uh, arguing is did this winning this series save Barry Trotz's job? Because I feel like he was coaching like he just didn't give a shit what anybody thought. Like maybe he didn't care because he felt like he was leaving regardless of how this series ends. But what do you think about uh, how that, uh, how this series affects Barry Trotz's uh, position? Yeah, yeah, Barry Trotz, uh, man, Barry Trotz has a tough job. Um, you know, the Capitals have gone through, gone through multiple coaches in their, in their quest to, to escape the second round. Um, Barry Trotz entering the playoffs. I was um, I, I was actually a little stunned at how flat the Capitals came out in the first round uh, against mm-hmm. the Blue Jackets, and that's when I was starting to think, man, this guy Trotz wants out of Washington. We're going to see him out of here, and I got to start taking a look at who uh, who the Capitals might be thinking about hiring for the upcoming season. Um, I didn't hate I didn't hate the move to start Grubauer in the first round of the playoffs. I think uh, yeah. I think Trotz had his back against the wall. I think he's got a hot a hot backup. Um, you know, who who has had the most incredible goaltending month that you could ask for. So I, I think he was right mm-hmm. to stop, start the hot goalie. And frankly, I think it helped Holtby. Um, Holtby has been stellar this postseason. But, I, you know, not starting those first two games. Um, or, well, I think he came in in the second game, if I'm if Yeah, he came in. Up. Yeah, he came in in the – Holtby came in the third period. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think that was the right call, and I think it helped Holtby uh, a little bit mentally that he kind of mm-hmm. had to be put in, put in check and think, you know what, all right, um, you know, I lost the starting job, but now I can uh, f- find his peace again coming into the playoffs. And, and I think that Holtby coming out and shining in the rest of that series um, 
kind of re-energized the team a little bit. I think that Barry, I think it might have saved Barry Trask's uh, coaching career in Washington. And mm. uh, following that hot glove past the Pittsburgh Penguins to accomplish something that hasn't been done since 1998, I think at this point Trotz is going to be the guy for Washington. Um, I, you know, I think he's a great coach, and I just don't think that he has the playoff experience to make his resume that um, attractive for buying teams. Um, so he's mm. going to have to stay with a team like Washington. You know, the only way that he's going to improve that resume is to stay with the same team and prove that he doesn't need to go to a team with the right pieces, but – uh, you know, take a weaker team and advance them and coach them, uh, you know, to get to the third round or even a Stanley Cup. So I, I think that game three of the Blue Jackets uh, of the Blue Jackets series is what turns is what turned the entire narrative around and uh, mm-hmm. saved Trotz's job. And I think Trotz is, is a little bit more invested into the team knowing that, hey, you know what, this team can do it. We got a lot of young pieces and we're going to have some salary cap issues over it over the next few seasons. So it's going to, it's going to rely on him to coach these boys up a little bit. Um, so mm. I, I think the job just became a little bit more interesting for him. So uh, from a sense of his interest, I, I think it's definitely re-energized a little bit. And I don't think Washington's going to be shooing him out of here anytime soon after, after the yeah. way they played against Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the ways that he was coaching against Pittsburgh um, with like the changes he was making, like, uh, in game five, playing Verona on the first line, and uh, he had a great uh, game and contributed really well there. And then going into game six, everybody wanted Verona to stay on the first line. But Trotz and, like, a lot of people were saying Verona on the first line in that type of game would be way too much of a defensive liability. And it doesn't matter. Like, and everybody was like, well, we need to score, we need to score. And Trotz was like, no, like I'm so I'm gonna coach my game because this is my team and I'm gonna coach them how I want to. And he 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 left Verano on the third line, went defensively with with Smith Pelly on the first line, and I thought it was the right. Obviously, it was the right move because they won the game. And then I thought at the end of the game, uh, the end of regulation, I think the uh, the last like 50 seconds or so or whatever, it was the fourth line out against Malkin's line, and uh. Everyone was shocked there was no change after a, a save. And Trotz was like, nope, these are my guys. I'm leaving my guys up there. I'm going to play all four of my lines because I think that if I play all four of my lines, it'll wear them down. And the, the Penguins did look wear, uh, worn down at the end of the series. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think that was especially highlighted in game six. Um, Mike Sullivan, I, wow, I, what, a, what a coach he is, what a job he's done with this Pittsburgh Penguins team. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think we're looking at a future Hall of Fame coach in Mike Sullivan uh, with the mm-hmm. success that he's had with the Penguins. Uh, but they flat the out – Fast he got, success. He, he got out coached in game six. Um, mm-hmm. Going into game six, there was a lot of questions on why they were leaving uh, – who was it? The Simone guy. Uh, he was playing yeah. on the top line of Crosby. And uh, the announcers certainly had uh, certainly had their questions on why he was playing up there. And, frankly, through, uh, through one and a half periods, I mean, it, we – Period two was winding down in uh, in Pittsburgh in a game where I think just about everybody expected Pittsburgh to send it back to Washington for seven. Um, halfway through the second period, or maybe even a little bit later than that, the Penguins had only registered like seven shots. So you mm-hmm. saw 
Mike Sullivan go back to the drawing board. He started shuffling lines up. You saw Phil Kessel playing on two or three different lines in the game. Uh, Simon left the first line, um, and, and you saw the lines jumbling. And the Cavs stayed consistent with their lines while Pittsburgh was jumbling, and that was a huge reason why Pittsburgh couldn't gain any momentum is because there wasn't that trust in the lines, and they kept jumbling them, and they'd, you know, they'd go out for a three-minute shift, and then the next shift there'd be a different line. So um, Trot sticking to his guns and, and sticking to the lines that he's trusted all series was um, uh, was huge. And I think Sullivan got outcoached, and that's why the Cavs were able to end it in six. Mm. So uh, what else looking at the series, like besides the, the coaching, because I do agree, especially in game six, what went wrong for the Penguins to to lose this series and have their run end here? Um, I think I think goaltending was a massive issue. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Matt Matt Murray has won two cups in his first two years in the league, which is which is stellar. But you know, you got to wonder when is the guy, when is the guy's youth going to show? Um, obviously, when's the tape going to come out? Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. So um, I, I think I think Murray let down the team a little bit. Um, I don't. I don't want to get into saying injuries or this and that or you know referee. I don't want to say that any of that had a factor into the series. Um, I think it was pretty even both both sides. I mean, caps uh, caps were hurt. Yeah, I agree. Were hurt. Um, so you know, I don't want to get into any of that. But I, I think if Getty Malkin was injured, um, just seeing the way he played, it, it wasn't explosive. Uh, you didn't see him commit into too many hits. You know, I I thought um, he missed games one and two, and. Um, and, and, you know, so obviously he has some sort of injury that, that's nailing. But I think in the next few days it's going to come out, if it already hasn't. Um, I think it's going to come out that Malkin was playing hurt. Um, yeah, you know, the, Jake Gensel and, and some of the Penguins' depth has shown that they've been the best depth in the NHL over the past few years. But I, I think this was a series where they really needed the stars. If you've got a hot Alexander Ovechkin, that needs to be matched by Evgeny Malkin. Um, or mm-hmm. Sidney Crosby, and for seeing that Sidney Crosby looked absolutely unstoppable against Philadelphia, and um, you know I think he had a good series against uh, I think he had a good series against Washington, but uh, you know the stars I think of Washington outplayed the stars of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I mean Phil Kessel, I I I didn't even know if he was on the ice in some of those games. I you know yeah if I, the TV muted, I wouldn't have even known that he was on the ice. So um, you know the Capitals got help with some depth, but man you know Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom. You know, they, I, they just simply outplayed Pittsburgh, and, you know, it was only a matter of time. So, um, you know, I think Capitals were too. But, yeah, definitely mm. had some things going wrong for, for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, and one thing uh, I found surprising looking back through the series is that the Penguins actually led in the third period in four out of six games in the series. So they had their opportunity to win, and uh, just the Capitals were very resilient. Uh, in the games and then in the series coming back from losing Wilson and Backstrom. Um, very excited. Saw uh, Berkowski is flying with the team to Tampa Bay. So that would be a, a great addition. We haven't had him all playoffs long. But, um, yeah, the uh, Pittsburgh just looked slower later in games, I thought, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, with their their long run. And uh, just getting to 50-50 pucks, it seems like the Capitals were were and the Stars were making those effort plays. Like Ovechkin was was hustling a decent amount. You even have to admit that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they were they were forechecking very well. The Penguins 
uh, there was a stretch of time. I think it was towards the end or the the end of the first period or the beginning of the second period in game six. The Penguins could not get into their zone. They could not figure it out. I think one of the announcers was like, the, the Capitals' forecheck is just an enigma to the Penguins right now. They could not get past what the Capitals were doing. Yeah. You know, when the Capitals skate, um, I, I don't think there's a team that cycles the puck better than the Washington Capitals when they've got their guys skating. I mean, that, mm. the Capitals are a team that are uh, that are able to suck, suck out all the all the free space that you might have offensively. The Capitals are very, very good at forechecking. Uh, they're very good in the neutral zone. Um, you know, they're a mm. team that can make entering the zone very, very difficult. And I think that um, I you know, I think that there was a huge difference. Um, between games uh, four and five, um, with the way that they were skating, yeah. you know, when the Caps started started moving their feet, started skating, started uh, started trusting their speed, um, not committing mm-hmm. as many guys forward, you know, to, to throw throw a few guys forward down and trust them to forecheck, you know, it limits it limits odd man rushes and it and it gives your boys the ability to, uh, you know, to forecheck and uh, this uh, oh my gosh Nathan Walker this guy he can fly he yeah lightning bolt on the wing there so you know his, him introducing a little bit of that speed too it's just you know the capitals are a dangerous team when they play as a unit and i think they play disciplined hockey that can forecheck very well so you know if if, if this roster is hurt or um you know a little bit depleted uh talent wise or salary cap wise you know they're they're get they're getting some help from these people that can fly <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, it was good to see these people uh, start to contribute because the Capitals had to give up some of their young talent recently, getting rid of players who've been like grooming for a while, like Marcus Johansson, and then Nate Schmidt losing him to the Vegas Knights. So it's good to see new young players stepping up and filling into roles that were filled by those guys. So looking ahead to the Eastern Conference Finals, where the Capitals will be for the first time in my lifetime, or not, well, yeah, no, not in my lifetime, but in my lifetime of me being, like, aware, like, not less than <laughs> five years old, but, yeah, um, <laughs> so well, looking at that, so, uh, looking ahead to that series, uh, one thing I'm afraid of, and I think a lot of people have brought up too is will the caps come out flat? Will they come out too satisfied? Is was winning was being the Penguins the equivalent of winning the cup, like uh PFT commenters said before. <laughs> um I you know, I don't I don't think so and I don't think so because um I they can't. They absolutely can't. Um, yeah. This was, you know, it, it was absolutely huge accomplishment and I am uh, I I'm incredibly glad to see uh, the guys come together and, uh, and knock out a Pittsburgh team that has kept them out of the third round for so long. Uh, but on the other side of the door is Tampa Bay Lightning, who I think is, is uh, twice as talented uh, depth-wise. And uh, mm-hmm. they're a much tougher team on the other side of that wall. So, you know, getting over the hump was huge for uh, for the Washington Capitals. Uh, but, you know, now is when playoff hockey starts. They, um, in, order to, in order to win a Stanley Cup, you got to beat the best. And right now Tampa Bay is the best. Um, this, yeah. is, this is the best team in the East. I thought that uh, I thought that Boston and Tampa, whoever came out of that series at the start of playoffs, could easily win a cup. 
Um, I didn't know who was going to come out, but Tampa Bay made easy work of Boston. So, um, so you know, just quick, uh, you know, just quick early thoughts on Tampa. So I, I don't think they can afford to, and that's for a few reasons. First of all, is because uh, they're opening the first two games on the road. Um, mm-hmm. So I and I actually think that this favors Washington. Washington has been one of the best uh, road teams this playoffs. They've. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the energy that they've been showing on the road is, is uncanny. I think, I think that they're the best road team in the playoffs this year. Um, I think that they can't come out flat because the way that they're going to win this series, if they do, is to make a strike early and leave Tampa Bay scratching their head saying what the hell happened. And I think mm-hmm. the way to do that is to come out and win game one in Tampa and immediately put Tampa Bay on their heels. So, Mm-hmm. I'm nervous. I'm nervous with the injuries. I'm nervous uh, with Backstrom. Um, I, I'm nervous about a lot of things, which we'll get into as we pick apart this series a little bit more. Um, but as far as will they come out flat, absolutely not. They're, I think they're going to have their best game skating uh, coming up in game one because I, I think the Capitals are, are aware. I think they have the self-awareness as far as the opportunity that's in front of them. Uh, I think they know that in order to beat the Tampa Bay, they need to at least split the series one and one. Um, if they have, mm-hmm. if they, uh, uh, the first two games in Tampa Bay, they're going to need to at least split it one to one. So no, I don't think they'll come out flat. I think that this team has shown that they're going to that they're going to put forth the effort and show that fight, which they did in the entire series against Pittsburgh. And I, I don't think it stops here. I think they come out, and I think they show just as much effort. And I think they uh, they're here for business. Yeah, I agree. I think the only people who are really satisfied with beating Pittsburgh are, like, fans like me. Like, I mean, I'm not satisfied, but I I definitely look at this season that regardless of what happens in this Lightning series now as a success, like, I, I think is, as long as you're going forward, it's a success. And going to the third round for the first time in very long, like, why would how would this not be considered a success? But I also know that like Ovechkin's goal and like his legacy and stuff like he knows getting to the third round is not like all right now he's the greatest like that's not what anybody thinks he needs to yeah. to win a Stanley Cup and then he will I mean people will always remember Ovechkin and everything that he's done but to really like just I I feel like he he hasn't slept a full night in like the last eight years, knowing that this is just looming out over his head. And you could see that like whenever they scored and you could just see, he just said like, thank God or whatever it was. And it just looked like you could see like the weight just being lifted off of his shoulders, just just getting this far. So, and I know just the kind of guy, like he's a very fiery competitor. So I think, I think the team will come like ready to go. And there are guys like Tom Wilson. He's just had to watch the last two games uh, from the sideline. And, you know, he wants to get out there and lay some hits on people. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm excited gonna, to see him get back, back out there. Yeah, yeah he'll definitely need So, yeah, what I, should – uh, Go um, right ahead. Oh, no, no, okay. no. I was going right to say, so what should the Capitals be worried about the most in uh, this – series with Tampa Bay? Um, so uh, I think there are some internal issues that they need to, uh, that they should be worried about. And then I think there are some issues with Tampa Bay that they need to be worried about. So 
Mm. On the capital side, uh, which they have nothing, uh, which they have no control over, is this Backstrom and Burakovsky status. Um, so I, as we can see, I think Backstrom took a puck to the hand. Um, and uh, from my from my Adam Coolbaugh MC um, diagnosis here, uh, when you take a puck to the hand like that and it forces you to miss a, miss an important game on the road. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking something's broken. Uh, you know, I think that puck yeah. got him in the knuckle. I think it's got to be a broken, broken finger or something, um, mm. which hurts. Which hurts. I mean, you just can't, you just can't be a hands guy, uh, you know, with a broken finger. So, I think him skating. He practiced today. He was at the morning skate, or he was at, um, mm. yeah, he was. He practiced today. He got some skating in. Um, I think that's a coaching thing. I think um, the Capitals want to put forth the uh, the idea that Backstrom will be playing tomorrow. Um, if he doesn't play tomorrow, I don't think he plays for the rest of the series uh, because I don't think a broken finger heals uh, within a series. Yeah. Um, and that is going to be the coin toss that I think determines this series, um, unfortunately. Uh, Burakovsky coming back. I think Burakovsky is going to play. Um, you know, they wouldn't fly him out uh, if, yeah, he, I agree. if he wasn't already playing. You know, they I think they would have left him at home if if this was like a mind game that Trotz was playing. Mm-hmm. But um, and so apparently, what that's going to hurt him with is the faceoff circle. Um, even in Game Six, where where the Capitals stole it on the road against Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, I, I wish I had looked up the stats of this before um, before this phone call. But at one point in the game. Um, Pittsburgh was dominating the faceoff circle 28 to 14, and that was through that was either through two or at the start of the third. Um, I mean, the pa- Capitals were just getting worked in the faceoff circle, and that's because Backstrom is gone. Um, mm. With a team with a team like Tampa, you know, they're, they're, with any team, you know, you can't win you can't win 30 percent or you, know, you can't win 50 percent of your um, you know you need to be about 50 percent from the faceoff circle, so. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to hurt him internally. So I think with Backstrom gone, you know, I don't, I don't think these these depth guys are going to come in and, and get anywhere near 50% of face-off circle against Tampa Bay. So that's internal. Um, hopefully they can stay healthy. Hopefully they can put a healthy Backstrom and Burakovsky out there so we can see, you know, a healthy roster versus a healthy roster. Um, but as far as Tampa's concerned, I mean, this is, uh, this is the last team that you want to see in the East. I, I think this matchup would be harder than a Stanley Cup matchup. Tampa Bay is deep. I mean, it is an absolute matchup nightmare for the Washington Capitals. Um, it looks like they're going to put their point line, uh, which is their hitting line, Palat, Point, and Johnson. It, it, it seems like they're going to be putting them on a Vetchkin, uh, the top mm-hmm. line there, which which leaves Kucherov, Stamkos, and Miller uh, to play against the Backstrom line, which Backstrom's questionable. Um, yeah. And that top six, that top six is deadly. I mean, they are absolutely lethal. And if you've got back, any Backstrom ailment, and if Point, Palat, and Johnson can even remotely slow down Ovechkin, I mean this could be a very this could be a very quick series for Tampa. And then you look defensively, um, Strowman, McDonough, and then Girardi, Hedman. Uh, those top four have been playing what 23, 24 minutes a game. They haven't even needed mm. Sergeyev and Coburn, their third uh, defensive uh, defensive pairing. I mean, that is just I, there is not one single hole in that roster, um, you know that that is weak. You know I think there are points where the Capitals can expose them, and I think the Capitals can favor them in a few of those positions. But if you're looking on paper at a team that can win you a Stanley Cup, that's exactly what you want. So looking at this roster, 
Trotsky's going to have to find some way to get these boys some room to skate because these that top that top four defensive uh, defensemen along with the Point Pilat Johnson line, uh, that, there's not going to be much room for uh, for for the Capitals to take advantage of. So, um, you know, I, I think the Capitals are going to have to rely on guys like Dmitry Orlov and John Carlson to mm-hmm. um, to advance uh, to advance the ice and and play that blue line perfectly. So. It's going to be an interesting yeah. series, but Tampa is a tough team. Yeah, Carlson is definitely going to have to be relied on to contribute as he has all year and has continued to do so far in the playoffs. Uh, so Sports Illustrated has the Tampa Bay Lightning favored, and they they broke it down by uh, forward, defensemen, and goalies, and they – say that the Lightning have the edge in each of those categories. And uh, I was just wondering if you, would, if you agree. Do you think the Lightning have the edge, like, all over the that, that's, um, that That's actually really funny. I was, I was reading that article today, um, you know, when I was just scrolling on the computer. Uh, no, they, they've gotten one. They've uh, at least one aspect completely, completely wrong, and uh, that's goaltending. Um Mm-hmm. Braden Holpe, Braden Holpe has been absolutely stellar. He has been Vezina Trophy caliber. He has been Stanley Cup goal te- uh, Stanley Cup winning goaltender caliber. He has been the most impenetrable goalie in the Eastern Conference this playoffs. Vasilevsky, yep. I I don't think he had a great series against Boston. I think Boston was putting ninety five shots. It was taking ninety five shots per game, and they were missing the net. They were hitting the post. I mean. Boston was creating some stellar, stellar offensive chances, and they couldn't finish. I, I don't think Vasilevsky, by any means, saved Tampa Bay in that series. I think Boston kind of kind of crapped the bed. Um, yeah, so, all, yeah, all playoffs, Vasilevsky has only played in four games where there have been 30 or more shots against him. He will face yeah. 30 or more shots every single night against Washington. Yeah. Oh, man. Um yeah, Holby Holby has looked like an absolute brick wall. I think I think uh, I think Holby is uh, is the shining glimmer of hope for the Capitals in this mm-hmm. series. Because I mean, she's, uh, I think that same article that you're reading there was saying something along the lines of, um, you know, the Stamkos line is, is getting hot. I uh, I disagree. I think um, uh, they had a goal in in Game Four uh, once the game was already closed out against Boston, and um, you know I. The Kucherov line didn't impress me with uh, uh, impress me with the way that they played against against Boston. I think that Pilat Point and Johnson won them that series. So I mean, I think Holpe has the opportunity to shut the door on the second line. Um, hopefully, Baxter will be out there, and and that's that's one vulnerability that Tampa Bay has that can that can allow the Capitals to really get into this series and steal some games. Mm. So, looking at the the series as a whole. If you had to uh, pick an MVP, where we're looking back at this series, we're like a week and a half into the future or whatever it is, and we're looking back on this series, who was the MVP for the Capitals and who was the MVP for the Lightning and who won? Okay. Oh, jeez. Um, let's see here. Uh, I wish I could answer this in two, two different ways. Um, <laughs> I think that – I think that – uh, Victor Hedman uh, is going to win the Norris Trophy this year, and I think mm-hmm. that he is going to be, um, 
you know, the the boogeyman for the Capitals. I think that he is going to have a stellar series. I think that the Capitals are, are going to be very frustrated playing against them. I think that uh, defensively is where uh, where the Tampa Bay Lightning will, will show that they have the significant mismatch um, advantage. With I, I think Victor Hedman is, is going to be that guy, you know, against Montreal. It was Halak. You've had your boogeyman in these series in the past. I, I think Victor Hedman is that boogeyman this year. Um, on the other end, uh, for the Capitals, uh, you know, I, th- I think Holpe um, is the MVP. Uh, you know, he's he's been consistent. He's been stellar. And I think that if the Capitals are going to win the series, Holpe is, is going to be the MVP on the Capitals' side. Um, every single bit of – every single bit of, of – uh, logic and, and and looking at these teams on paper, points for Tampa Bay uh, to close this mm-hmm. out with six. Um, but you know, this season has been has been a little different in the sense that emotion plays such a factor in this series or in these playoff series. I mean, look at look at Las Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, how do you how do you predict that? How do you yeah. come out with that roster and go to the Western Conference Finals? So. Um, if Backstrom and Burakovsky are healthy and are able to play uh, for the entire series well enough to where they can at least perform to, to uh, you know, a majority of what, what their capabilities are, um, I think the Capitals are taking this in seven. Um, if there's any injury, if there's any injury uh, issues with Washington, I think Lightning shuts the door and wins it in in five or six. So it, it's mm. a tough series to predict, but you know what, man? I'm uh, I'm pulling for you. I'm eating my words. I I you know if I'm gonna <laughs> if I'm gonna have to eat my words on the Capitals, I'm gonna do it twice. Um, I think uh, I think the Capitals are gonna take this in seven. They're gonna stun Tampa Bay on the road in uh, in game one, and then Tampa will win it in two, and then uh, Caps win both at home and close it out in six on uh on home ice so capitals win uh capitals win in six i like it yeah so if if i had to say um see i'm i'm just glad that the player you picked to be the uh mvp for the lightning wasn't any of their former rangers because i know that (laughs) too a a lot of capitals fans are like really dreading seeing like uh ryan mcdonough there uh Girardi's there. They have a, a couple, I think, on on their roster. So I'm glad it's not any of those guys. But uh, if I had to pick an MVP for the Lightning, I think it will probably be uh, Hezen. Yeah, is obviously playing really well. But I think one of their offensive guys will have to have a good series. I think I, even though Stamkos didn't, uh, his line didn't have a good series necessarily against the Bruins, I think Stamkos will uh, – he always liked to play against Ovechkin when we played each other in the Southeast yeah. Division. So I, I think he might light up seeing Ovi out there again, maybe try to get in a little shootout with him. So uh, I would love to see Stamkos, uh, if anybody has to do well, I would like to see him do well and turn this into a, a shootout. If we can ever get one of those in the playoffs, that would be hype. But that's not going to uh, yeah. happen with these goalies. Uh, so, and that being said, I think if the Capitals are to win the series, I would agree Holtby has to be the MVP. He has to, to stand on his head and make all the saves that he made. In game six, uh, with, whether it's with the shaft of his stick or shimmying away a save with his shoulder, he's going to be 
having to use uh, every inch in the series. I agree that the Lightning look like the best team on paper. Like, no questions asked. I'm I'm not that blind of a of a fan, <laughs> but uh, I I also agree that I think the Caps, if anything, like can figure out how to win this year. Like, why not? Like, they I I've believed in them before. Whenever they looked better than every team on paper, win the President's Trophy and score 500 million goals every game and Ovechkin has like a 70 goal season. Like I could see they looked better on paper all those years and then they would lose in the first or second round. So why not, why not this year? I think, I think if they were to win, it would have to be seven games though. So it'll be, it'll be a nail biter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I certainly think, uh, I certainly think it's it's a series that the Capitals, Capitals can win and I'm, I'm rooting for them, man. I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. Um, and, and, you know, I think that Capitals beating this lightning team is, um, much more likely than a team like Montreal knocking out the Capitals in 2010. So if we're in the Mm -hmm. process of reverse, of reversing history and, uh, and accomplishing, and you know, writing the wrongs of the past. You know, this is not. This not. Uh, it, it certainly is a winnable series for Washington. Let's hope they do it. I hope so. So, and it, and if they do, they would meet uh, either Las Vegas, and then the other game is still a toss-up. Winnipeg and Nashville are currently at a two-one uh, Winnipeg lead in their first intermission. Uh, of those two teams. Who do you think matches up better uh, against the Vegas Knights, or uh, or should I say, who do you think the Vegas Knights want to play? Do the Knights want to play? Yeah, Nashville yeah. Or do they I'm, want to play Nashville? I'm glad that you uh, edited that statement because matchup wise, <laughs> I, I think that Nashville plays a very similar game uh, to uh, to Las Vegas. Um, I I think that now I, this was the toughest question. Um, this is the toughest question that I that I was waiting for on on this podcast is who would you rather play? Um, because I don't think either of these teams are, you should be looking forward to. Uh, Winnipeg is just they are a crunching, hard hitting, physical team, um, and, and Nashville is I what I believe is the deepest team in the NHL. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they have four four strong lines, and and there's not one single. Or I think every single one of their defensemen could play on a on a top unit defensively. Um, so I I think you would rather want to play the Jets. You know, they got the big bodies. They've got, um, yeah, you know, they've they've got. They're a tough team to to match up with physically, but I think the Vegas has been playing so fast, and they are out skating and and just lightning against these teams. I I think you want to. Take your luck against the big physical team, hoping that you can uh, they, that you can skate better. So I think they're hoping to see Winnipeg here, and it's kind of looking mm. like that right now. And um, with the Jets up two one on the road, so I, yeah, I think you'd rather yeah. want to play the Jets if you're if you're Vegas. Yeah, I, I think I would agree that uh, they would rather play the Jets. I think the Preds have a little more uh, dangerous skill players that uh, that could keep the Knights up at night. Um, and I think also either way, regardless of who they play, both teams have some of the greatest home crowds in the entire league. Uh, I was watching one of the uh, intermissions, and uh, who is the what's the Blackhawks player they're having on NBC? Is it Patrick Sharp? Uh, yeah, is Patrick Sharp there? joining. Yeah, joining the he was saying, shambly squad of of NHL commentators, uh, analysts. 
it's such a mess. But he was saying uh, that the Winnipeg crowd, even though their stadium is small, I, I don't know how many said it holds. I think like it was small, like sixteen, eighteen thousand, something like that. He said they might have one of the loudest crowds in the league. And then of course everybody knows about the the Smashville crowd with the Titans offensive linemen like bonging beers out of catfish and stuff. So either way, we'll see some uh, electric crowds. In both series, I think Tampa Bay has turned into a little hockey town down there somehow. So, and then yeah. and then Vegas, Vegas just looks like a good time. They always have a good show they put on with their introductions oh. and stuff. So, there's the, a uh, good the, either way. I, you know, I'm I'm I am very excited for the Western Conference Finals. So I can see uh, the Lannisters come out on ice at this at the start of the series. Um, and you know, take on uh, take on either the Predators or the Jets. I am hoping that Nashville can come back and win this because I would love to see that night that comes out in their uh, in their preview, uh, you know, in their ceremony of Game One. I would love to see yeah. them out with like a fishing rod and, uh, and catch a catfish <laughs> or something, you know, instead of instead of slaying them with a sword. That would be hilarious. But uh, yeah, nice. I think this Western Conference <laughs> final is going to be electric content wise. So. <laughs> So, which one would you say is is more is going to be more must watch TV? The East Conference Finals or West Conference? Oh, uh, you know, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Western Conference. I think um, I think this Western Conference series uh, just having Vegas in it purely for the uh, for the magic mm-hmm. for the Cinderella story. Um, they're going to be going up against a tough tough opponent and i think the crowd um the, you know the vegas crowd and the national crowd or the winnipeg crowd just the combination of those you're gonna have some insanely large crowds you're gonna have a show it's gonna be a hard fought series and um vegas is a fun team to watch they are mm-hmm. pure entertainment on ice you know they they are they are playing some of the most entertaining hockey of um you know any team in the nhl i, I would argue that they are the most entertaining so I think entertainment-wise, you're going to see more of a show in the in the West, um, but in the East, uh, you're going to see two teams putting it all on the line, reaching into their bag of tricks, reaching into the magic hat, and pulling out just about all their tricks. So if you want to watch some pure playoff hockey, um, your channel should stay uh, stay tuned to the Eastern Conference. But entertainment-wise, show the casual fan I think will have a better time in the West. Yeah, and. Um... And looking at Vegas, uh, how impressed are you at the run that they've been able to put together, not just through the regular season, but now keeping it going into the playoffs and cruising to this point? Um, it is. Uh, it, it, this might be the first time that Gary Bettman has ever looked good in his, uh, in his entire career. Um, <laughs> this is exactly what the NHL needed. This is exactly the storyline that the NHL needed. Um, all these guys, these, you know, you could call them the unwanted, the unprotected, you know, the teams that uh, – the guys that the teams decided that were not must-have hockey players. I mean, you got a, you got a group of, of junior varsity players. You've got a – you know, some of them, some of them it just uh, didn't make sense money-wise to hang on to. Some of them were – so, you know, I, I know that I could possibly eat my words by saying that they're junior varsity. Uh, but it's a combination mm-hmm. of players that have the fire lit into them that this is a chance for them to prove prove their worth, uh, to just re-spark their career. Um, 
you know, I think this is a magical run. I think that this is one of those things that happens in sports every once in a while, like a lesser city um, over in the Premier League. Or, um, you, know, just, you know, everyone loves that underdog story. And I, I think that Vegas has taken this, this opportunity and run with it. Um, they have mm-hmm. been insensibly good. They have been skating. They have been putting forth the effort. They're playing every game like it's a game seven. I mean, they have just put all of it on the line, and they are putting putting on some of the most entertaining hockey in the entire league. It is spectacular. Uh, guys like uh, Carlson, William Carlson, who were single-digit goal scorers last year, putting up almost 50 this year. Uh, oh, yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. Marcia so? I don't I understand mean, that at all. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Flurry playing like he's 10 years younger than he is. I mean, they are just getting a spark, they, an absolute spark. Tuck is fantastic. Uh, Marcia so, I, you know, I think is – is the uh, a prolific goal scorer right now. He is he's got a bright future ahead of him. They're they're fantastic, and it's a team that you can't not root for. It's a team that I think mm-hmm. has got all of casual hockey fans in the country rooting for. And I, I think yep. that the clock does. You got to hope that the clock doesn't strike midnight for them. Just keep going. And one thing that I think helps them with everybody rooting for them is one like they're in Vegas. Nobody's from Vegas. Everybody's been to Vegas. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, Vegas, cool. That's a cool place. And then also, like, with the expansion draft just happening, their team is full of, like, young, like, budding players from that used to be, like, on our teams, you know? And they have players that we liked. Like, they they stole Nate Schmidt from me. I love Nate Schmidt. How are they going to take Nate Schmidt? Like, like, so I feel like there's a lot of fans. And, like, I know my friends that are Penguins fans, most of them, anyway, have uh, a soft spot for Flurry, and they uh, they like to see him doing well uh, out there in Vegas. So I think they have have little pieces of everybody's teams, and uh, that, that's helping people root for them as well once, as their teams slowly get eliminated, like Penguins fans are eliminated. So just in case you yeah. forgot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man, you know, <laughs> I read the funniest thing. Did you get this, uh, did you get this ESPN alert today? I, it was it was some of the most it was one of the most laugh out loud ESPN updates that I think I've ever gotten, and it was talking about how if Vegas wins this year, then it would be the expansion team winning too quickly that it wouldn't be healthy for the franchise if they won this year because it would be too soon. <laughs> okay, you know what? Yeah, I don't understand what that means. Vegas doesn't Vegas doesn't want to win anymore this year. We agree, it's too soon. We don't want the cup this year. Let's wait a few yeah. more years. You're telling me yes. that Las Vegas, of all cities, is ever not going to put forth a crowd, sellout crowd, and have this We are not win now. If we are not any, win now. <laughs> if there is any one hockey team in the NHL that you can trust will have just as much enjoyment, it is the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Um, yeah. And it makes me wonder now, too. My my birthday is, uh, is next Saturday, so I'm I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> You gotta go. I have never been to Vegas before, and you know, Ooh. you gotta go to Vegas. You know, maybe maybe go see some playoff hockey, um, but that would probably be wildly irresponsible. So maybe I'll wait a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what their ticket prices are out there, but I imagine they're like ridiculous. I feel like there's a lot of wealthy people with with cash flowing and some deep yeah, pockets. Okay. What do you think season tickets are at lower level for for Las Vegas? I have no idea. I think I want to know. But, uh, 
So what uh, out of the West, what would your prediction be? Who would be facing the winner of Caps Lightning? Um, you know, if you asked me before the start of this game seven, I, I you know I think I would have to say Predators. Um, you know, if I'm, I, I think between the Capitals and um, Las Vegas, um, I think one team is going to strike midnight. Uh, I think the clock is striking midnight for one of those teams, and it's either going to be Washington mm-hmm. or it's going to be um, or, or it's going to be Vegas. Um, I will say that the Predators are the Lightning of the Western Conference. Um, if Vegas, if I, if if Winnipeg closes this out, then I, I think Vegas goes. If the Predators are taking on Vegas, I, I think um, I think the Predators go. Um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll say Predators are going to come back and win this game. This game seven. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna play a hard fought series against. Uh, against um las vegas and i think they're going to go to the stanley cup and i i think that the predators could lift the cup this year um and, and do what they couldn't do last year all right i like it um if i had to make a pick for uh the winner of the western conference i'm going to pick what i want to see happen so yeah. i'm going to go with the vegas knights because i would love to see Vegas and the Caps, like they're, the amount of storylines that would come out of Vegas versus Washington with like McPhee being the GM of Vegas yep. and playing Washington and then like the storylines of like the team who's waited like forever to win a cup versus the team who just like popped up and is just going to win one right now and like yep. like playing against Nate Schmidt and playing yeah, against yeah. Flurry, like slaying another dragon of Flurry. So uh, I would love to see Vegas. That series would just be like amazing. Sure, and man, I mean, you've got a good storyline either way. There, um, you've got Flurry yeah. and Schmidt on one end and McPhee, and then on the other hand, if you play the Predators, I mean, you've got Forsberg. And uh, how, how funny would it be if, uh, if Lars Eller outscores <laughs> Philip Forsberg in the Stanley Cup Final for the uh, for the first ever trophy in? Uh, that would be in amazing. Capital franchise history. That would be that would be pretty hilarious. But either way, I and think also, headline. what if Forsberg yeah, scored like a game right. winner? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So hopefully, we'll have a wonderful rest of our playoffs and a lot of healthy, clean hockey and no suspensions and just good teams flying each other. So that will wrap up our NHL preview or for and our recap for the games that have already happened. So uh, we're looking forward to both those series. Now we're going to wrap up the show in a way we like to every week in a, uh, a little shortened fashion this time. But we're going to have our gritty finish. So we're going to hit a couple topics pretty quick. Um, All right. Just give your, give your two cents on this. 30 seconds and then whatever you whatever you need to say so i heard this take today i wasn't i didn't i wasn't gonna have this on here until i heard this take because i thought it was ridiculous someone said to me today that the process was a failure because they lost this series is the process a failure already uh no process is absolutely not a failure um it's ben simmons is excellent joel Embiid. 
has now a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he's like a sleeping giant that's just woken up. The process is absolutely fine. The take that I am okay with is if you were a fan, would you be, would you rather be a fan of Boston right now for the next five years or Philadelphia, uh, um, a Philadelphia fan for the next five years? I think right now you got to go with Boston. Um, so I'm okay with that mm. take. But this process, this rivalry between Philly and Boston is just getting started. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited for that. So, uh, and looking at Boston, uh, I've heard a couple of people debate this, and I'd like to hear your take on it. Uh, would you rather have, for the next five years, Brad Stevens or LeBron James? Oh, oh man. Next five years. Oh, man. How am I? I'm, I'm going to say Brad Stevens because uh, I, I think LeBron has to be, unless if he's got like an infinity stone or something that I don't know about. I, I think his body has to catch up with him over the next few years because, I mean, he is playing so many minutes, and he has been the MVP of every single game that he's been in for his entire season, uh, for the last two seasons. I, you know, I think mm. his body has to slow down at some point within five years. So I'm going to take Brad Stevens. He's a phenomenal coach, and he's put together, uh, put together a great team, well-coached team. So. Yeah, I, I think this question basically comes down to – like, is your personal philosophy, do you think coaches are more important or do you think players are more important in the NBA? Um, and I think and, – and and do you think LeBron James has five good years left? Because Brad Stevens obviously has, like, a million years left to coach. Yeah. But does LeBron have, have, like, five more full years where he can put the team on his back? I say he at least has three, and he yeah. could go four or five. I could see him going even farther, like – We've never seen anybody like him. He just doesn't look like he's slowed down at all to me. So, and and we see his game developing already. Like when he hit six of eight fadeaway jumpers from uh, against Toronto in the fourth quarter. Like your fadeaway jump shot doesn't deteriorate anytime soon. Like not yeah. even in the next thirty years. So like, uh, if, if that's the LeBron that we're gonna see, like a, a refined game like that, I would take LeBron for five more years. Um, but I agree. Brad Stevens is a great coach, and that will lead me to my next question. Yep. Should the NBA stop giving out awards if Brad Stevens isn't even going to get one Coach of the Year vote? <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's absolutely criminal. Um, I think I hate that all these awards are voted on during the regular season. I yeah, mm-hmm. I absolutely hate that. You know, why are we not considering the playoffs into effect? I mean. You know, MVP voting and all that. You, know, you got to include these playoffs. I mean, that is when you show, mm-hmm. you know, that is when you pull out the best of what you've got. You know, that is where you're. Yeah, you're LeBron thinking, didn't even try all year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, geez, if Le- you know, I, I, LeBron is I, is a strong kid. I would have taken LeBron any day of the week as your MVP over a guy like Russell Westbrook. I mean, a triple, mm-hmm. triple double is, is great. Don't get me wrong. That is a, that is a, very well-rounded player, but LeBron James taking his team to the playoffs and taking him this far in the playoffs with the roster that he's got is, is absurd. So I think the playoffs need to be taken into account, um, and I think that's when Brad Stevens starts getting votes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that's just completely ridiculous and just a complete farce. Um, so then uh, one more basketball question. We got, yeah, one more basketball question. Um, I heard this take today. And uh, it made me want to cry because <laughs> I thought it was way too realistic. Um, 
Would Carmelo Anthony to the Wizards be the most Ernie Grunfeld move of all time? <laughs> I think I, I think that it absolutely would. It would be a very Washington D.C. basketball move, and it I would, would cry. be stunningly bad of a decision. I mean, whatever is going on in Washington basketball-wise, I don't know. I, just, I, don't, I have no clue what's going on in that neck of the woods. And yeah, I can see that happening. Um, I, you know, I thought that Kevin Durant to the Wizards a few years ago was like a logical and a very mm. realistic possibility, but of course that didn't happen. So yeah, so let's send Carmelo. So of course, Carmelo. Yeah, let's go yeah. grab Carmelo and uh, and talk about winning the championship. Yes, and so 100% agree with that. Spot on. And the sad part is, is I can already see a couple ways that people are like going to try to spin zone it too, as if it happens. One, people are going to do the welcome home to Carmelo because he's from, like, uh, uh, like yep. the DMV area, played at Oak Hill. Uh, I think his hometown is near Baltimore, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, and then also uh, the the trade that I saw for Carmelo was Otto Porter um, for Carmelo, and the Wizards would also give up, like, a second rounder or something like that. Um Jeez. Because, like, Carmelo obviously has a fat contract, and then the Wizards just signed Otto Porter to a long-term deal. Um, So it would help to, like, unload the Otto Porter deal because some Wizards fans are, like, already done with him, even though, like, he had a great season, just not a very good playoff. Um, So some Wizards fans are like, yeah, dump his contract and just ride out Carmelo contract for one year and and use his veteran leadership to teach Bradley Beal and John. I don't want Carmelo to teach Bradley Beal or John Wall how to do anything except play like Olympic style basketball. That's pretty much all they could teach that he could teach them. Yeah. No, um, I, I don't know. I mean, that that's a tough one because auto auto Porter. So I, I'm, I'm not certain of how um, unhappy Washington DC is with the auto Porter deal. Uh, but just hearing that in my head after the season, you know, most of the time when players are, are looking to um, go be a star player for another team, they take the playoffs as a as a time to, to to maybe elevate their game a little bit. So it's almost like a tryout for other teams. And I mm. think Carmelo Anthony was try, it was doing everything he could uh, to remind everybody how terrible he is this postseason. Watch <laughs> it. I honestly think that I could have shot better than him in some of these games. Man. He was uh, <laughs> that was something else. So if he's a uh, you know, if he's trying out to stay on Oklahoma City, um, then he's doing a bad job. And uh, I, I think <laughs> that he is depleting in value. So hopefully Washington wouldn't have to throw in that second round pick for a guy like for a guy like Carmelo. Yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't see why that would happen at all. Or maybe it was uh, Carmelo and a second round for Otto Porter. Maybe that was what I saw. That was okay. Uh, yeah. That didn't make, make it. That would make a little more sense. Um, yeah, it would be a little so, better. So my my next uh, question on our our great finish, uh, we saw Drew Bledsoe at the uh, podium last night, or yeah, was it last night? Yeah, for the after the game and with his scary Terry Rozier jersey on, um, and then uh, on TNT, Shaq claimed that he doesn't know who Drew Bledsoe is because he's a Cowboys fan. And uh, I'm sure us know because we're football guys. Drew Bledsoe played for the Cowboys Cowboys. for a while. (laughs) So what percentage of Cowboy fans 
do you think have no idea Drew Bledsoe played for their team? Oh, at at least 35%. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's just one of those teams where you can scrape by as a casual fan um, because, you know, the season doesn't really matter until, like, week eight or so. So, you know, the Cowboys are that perfect team where you can spend the first eight weeks focusing on fantasy football, put on red zone. You know, we'll skip watching our boys playing today so we can watch red zone. And then come playoff time, you know, as, as soon as we're in the race, that's when we'll start turning on the TV. So I, I am certain that at least 35% of the fan base has no clue about any of the history, about any of the rivalries with the, the 49ers or anything like that. I think uh, nope. I think Cowboys fans are a different breed, man. Yeah, I was sad because uh, it's like the football state and Shaq. I mean, not a not a good week for Shaq with his fight on there with Charles Barkley. I mean, he did body bag Charles Barkley, so that was pretty funny. Was. But yeah, so maybe this offsets a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would put if I had to put my number on the uh, Cowboys fans nose, but so is I think I think thirty some percent is a good guess. I would put it closer to like like forty or fifty percent. I think it would be pretty high. Because I think oh. Cowboys fans think it, it was Troy Aikman and then Tony Romo, and there's nothing in between. Like, he yeah. just, like, fell asleep, and then Tony Romo was there the next day. <laughs> um, uh, all right, so my next uh, little fun thing I noticed, uh, or a lot of people obviously noticed in sports, a lot of people except the uh, Mets manager whenever he sent the batters out to bat out of order. And then after they batted out of order and got a hit and was in scoring position, uh, I think they're playing the Reds. Is that who they're the playing? Reds, yeah. 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 The Reds manager with uh, his gamesmanship notified the uh, umpires that they batted out of order. Mets go on to lose by one run. Probably <laughs> one of the most embarrassing moments in sports that I can think of. Uh, Adam, what is your most embarrassing sports moment? Oh man, my most embarrassing sports <laughs> moment. So uh, let's figure. I'm putting I you goalie. on the spot. I was a goalie in soccer, right? Um, uh huh. So you know what goalies do in soccer is they they sit back there when there's no action and they dream about the amazing goal that they're gonna score for your team. You know, when you're a goalie, you dream about getting on the score sheet yourself, right? So uh, I had gotten a hand injury during my senior season of high school. Um, so, you know, I injured my hand and I was out, um, uh, out as goalie. And, uh, you know, so I dressed up as a field player for the game. This was a district final, the district final against Garfield High School. And, uh, and we were playing at home in front of our home crowd. And, you know, I'm just sitting on the sideline, like, you know, put me in coach, put me in coach. And, uh, one of our starters gets injured in like the last minute. We're about to go into overtime. So it's the last minute of the game. And uh, coach needs just some fresh legs to go in and play 30 seconds to just run out the game to overtime, right? So I, he calls me up, Adam, go in there. I'm like, all right, this is my time. <laughs> so I go sprinting onto the field. I'm giddy. I'm like a kid in the candy store, right? And uh, so it's a free kick, and the free kick comes into the box, and it takes a deflection. It bounces up, and it comes right in my area. It, it's just, it pops up perfectly for me. So what do I do? I wind up for a bicycle kick so I can bike it in. Like this is what this is the this is the situation that you dream of as a goalie. And I wound oh, up like, and I can hear the anticipation in the crowd. I go for a bicycle kick and it was like the most pathetic bicycle kick attempt um, all the time. It just like floated to the goalie and he just caught it easily. And it was like it was the most anticlimactic. It would have been the greatest storyline ever. 
that turned into the most anticlimactic storyline ever. So, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty embarrassing. And afterwards, and you know what stunk about that? Not only because I missed it and I could have had glory, but after the game, everyone just had to give me that, like, oh, you know, it was a good try. Like, it was a good attempt. <laughs> I mean, like, good idea. You know, it's, it's fun. We enjoyed watching it. I was like, shut up. I don't want to talk about it. We're done. <laughs> yeah, so my, uh, my athletic career was very brief, but my broadcasting career is hopefully still going. And uh, this past summer, I uh, helped out with the Front Row Cardinals, which I'm doing again this summer. I don't think I've told you yet, Adam. But uh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So I'm doing the Cardinals again this year. But last year, uh, I showed up to a game, and our uh, PA announcer wasn't there. And so I was like, oh, cool. Well, I've never done it before, but I'll, I'll give it a try. So um, they hand me all my, like, reads and stuff like that that I'm going to be doing. and. We are about to get started uh, at, in Front Royal at their stadium, and I cut the mic on, and I just say, welcome to Veterans Memorial Park, uh, uh, I mean, the Crosby Stadium. <laughs> Veterans Memorial Park is, of course, uh, as Dean Adam knows, the baseball stadium for JMU, and uh, the baseball stadium for the Front Royal Cardinals is Bing Crosby Stadium. So I was completely off, and the the thing about messing up, like, on a podcast here or messing up, like, on air, like, if you were at Madison or whatever, uh, all your audience can't see you and, like, can't react to you messing up. But when you mess up on a PA, you can see everyone just turn around and look at you. Like, who is this dumb person that has no idea what stadium he's in? Um, so, that, so that was probably my, my – most embarrassing moment, especially since it was like the first words out of my mouth were just like, welcome to a completely different place than we are. Oh, so that was yeah. fun. Did you say it was um, Bing Crosby Stadium? Yeah, it, Bing Crosby Stadium. Like Bing Crosby, like the musician. That's fantastic. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, wow. What a, yeah, I mean, he like a, donated a bunch of money to the original stadium and then they, that one got torn down and they rebuilt it. Uh, and like it's really nice actually, but um, they still left it named after Bing Crosby. I have no idea what his tie is to Front Royal. I mean, but... hey, you know what? I, I, you could argue that Bing Crosby is a veteran in uh, in, in the music game, and, <laughs> yeah. and the stadium is like a memorial uh, for it Bing is. Crosby. So I, you know, I don't think you were that wrong. I think I think you could have dug yourself out of that one. <laughs> I was just going a little more abstract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so, so my next uh, topic here on our gritty finish, um, and I'm, as you just said, you're a soccer guy and played soccer growing up, and I know you are a huge DC United fan, and everyone in the world yeah. knows about the huge news for DC United, and Wayne Rooney is coming to town. How much does it matter, and how much do you care? Uh, well, uh, I'll start with how much do you care, because. Uh, uh, I don't know if I don't know if we've talked about this, but my mom is uh, was uh, born and raised in England. She was born in West London, and uh, spent her entire childhood growing up in England. So I have English roots in me. Um, so nice. seeing an English national player uh, come to my hometown team here in America is is uh, outstanding. You know, he's who I grew up watching. He's who I uh, he's who I grew up rooting for. So I, I'm very excited. And this is huge for DC United. Um, 
DC United, I, if you've been to RFK to a DC United game, you know that place mm-hmm. is an absolute dump. It is dump. a dump. It's garbage. And it has been a dump for 15 years now. And so now, DC United, get, and so what you think is all these star players come over to America, and none of them want to come to DC in a bad area and play in a dump. So they've yeah. got the new stadium in Audi Field. It's going to be gorgeous at Buzzard Point right across from Nats Park, so right on the water. And now you've got mm-hmm. a big superstar. So not only, I, I, I think, are we going to see their uh, attendance increase, I, I think you're going to see more players um, heading towards D.C. So I think it's historic. I think it's exciting. <laughs> I think it is insanely random. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I, I'm hoping it's kind of like a breaking down the floodgates type of thing. Wayne Rooney comes and then he, he brings some of his friends over. Like, Ibrahimovic just came over before and – yeah, uh, yeah. Of course, Beckham a long time before that. So hopefully uh, it won't be as long until we get the next guy. Maybe some of them will come back a little younger. But yeah, who knows? absolutely. And if uh, if you look at where he is in his career, he's 32 years old. And that is, the believe it or not, the, the exact same age that David Beckham was when he came over, uh, Thierry Henry when he came over, and Robbie Keane. And those were three of the most, uh, you know, fan favorite players in MLS history. So, um, I, you know, I think, and, and Robbie Keane put up close to a hundred goals. So I, I think Rooney has a chance to stick around for at least three, four good years and then maybe play a few more after that. Um, so, you know, not only is he coming over, uh, to a team that needs a superstar, but I, you know, he's, you could argue that he's, that he's not completely out of his prime yet. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. And then, uh, of course I cannot, uh, end the podcast without talking about the most important D.C. team in the third round. Josh Norman yeah. is in the third round of Dancing with the Stars, and uh, I'm sure that you've been glued to your television set watching all of that. Um, how far do you think Josh Norman makes it in, uh, in Dancing with the Stars? He's going up against oh. some stiff competition. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is out there looking like a skeleton uh, or like a – I don't know, like a statue, like a creepy statue. He doesn't move. Everybody just kind of dances around him. It's really funny and weird. <laughs> so how do you I think mean, Josh Norman will do? I, I, I think that Josh Norman wins it unless if the PR <laughs> guy or the coach or whoever Kareem Abdul's coach is or advisor makes sure that him and that girl uh, wear skeleton suits and do the monster mash. Uh, for oh, my God. That, that would be, be amazing. top-quality TV. That would be must-watch TV, and they can't lose. So, Monster Mash, or I'm out, and Norman wins it. That, that is genius, yes. That would be that would be a winner for sure. I have no doubt. I don't care that it's May. Like, without the Monster Mash, like, that needs to happen. That's a great idea, Adam. You Absolutely. need to, like that, you need to be their PR. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write in some kind of, uh, some kind of letter to the editor or something, cause that's must-watch TV. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like that episode of The Office when Toby and Gabe Dress up like skeletons and do that that bones dance. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> All right. So we always end the show with uh, these final two uh, two things to leave our folks with. We leave them with a song of the week and a tweet of the week. I'll give you a second to to think of yours. My song of the week is a brand new song from uh, Future, Chance the Rapper, and King Louie. Um, I've been waiting for this song to come out for a while. It's called My Peak, and it bangs. I don't know if you've heard it yet. Yes, it is a 
fire song. Uh, it's been the chance teased it on his Instagram, like, uh, in February of last year, February of 2017 chance, uh, like did a little snippet of this song on his, uh, Instagram and me and, uh, Eli Kaplan. I know you remember him. We've been all been, yeah. uh, waiting for, waiting for this song. And it's really good. If you check it out, I think I'm going to put it in our, uh, intro if I can figure uh-huh. that out, uh, today. The, and then my tweet of the week, you can find pinned on my profile right now. It actually features our guest, Adam Coolball, going completely ham as uh, someone burns a terrible towel after the Caps Game 5 victory in D.C. Adam is the dapper gentleman losing his shit in a Hawaiian shirt. So make sure to check that out if you haven't seen it already. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, that, that was pretty electric. A lot of you might be wondering why is a Chicago Blackhawks fan wearing a Luau shirt in the background of uh, Pittsburgh Penguins burning towel doing the Fortnite celebration with an L? All I have to say is Caps minus one and a half was plus 245. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> plus 245. <laughs> I love it. Great, great. Um, so let's see. Do I, do I need to do a song of the week and a, and a tweet of the week? Yeah. Okay, let's see here. Um, summertime's coming around, so I, I I think I'm gonna go with my summer jam. The uh, you can find it on YouTube. I you can find it on Spotify until they delete it. Every once in a while, they delete it, and someone else has to re-upload it. It's the uh, <laughs> going back to Cali, Yin Yu's edition. Y I N Y U E S. Uh, the Yin Yu's okay. remix of Going Back to Cali by uh by Biggie. Excellent. Cool. Uh, uh, ex- Excellent summer song. You want to sit out on a balcony or out on a beach at sunset, drink a drink some twisted tea or some Coronas or something. This is the song you got to have playing in the background. It's the song of the summer, pretty much every summer for me. Um, I like it. Tweet of the week, uh, man. I think uh, I, I think Ovechkin's uh, I think Ovechkin's post game reaction, the just fucking score uh, video going nice. on uh, going viral. Or no, 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 the kangaroo when uh when uh. Oh, what's his name? Uh, when Walker, uh, post game, when they were showing Walker in the Capitals locker room, and it shows him doing the kangaroo jump with oh, yeah. tweet of that video. <laughs> oh, that was that was fantastic. So whatever whatever video of that is out there, I, I threw that a retweet. Yes, I couldn't agree more. All right, thanks for uh, hanging out with me, Adam. We'll have to come, uh, have to get you down to Winchester to our little studio and do a, a live broadcast with us with the whole gang. Anytime, man. Anytime. I'd love to come and see the setup and uh, see what kind of technological um, setup you guys got going on. So, uh, so you know, I mean, I, I am also down to try and to see if this uh, this microphone connected to the phone works, too. So always down to call in again. But, yeah, I would love to come see the set. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'd, I'd come back anytime if you guys need a guest. All right. Thanks, Adam. Have a good one. Hey, you as well. Go cap. My baby mama finna get a master. Bravo. I just hit the office, that's the FAFSA. I don't wanna hear about no masters. No, no. I just hit my pastor, it's faster. Okay, okay. They gon' point to Cuba when I pass away. I'll probably still be ballin' on my castaway. I just gotta text to say keep going. I just gotta check to say keep going. Bird cage, jerk coat, horn prayer, crane mode.